This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, suicide, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Fruit Loops Season Two, <laughs> Episode One. Thank you for listening. I gotta get my hip hop air horn ready. Excuse me. Oh yeah, get it, get it ready. Prepare red enough. Uh, but uh, let me tell you guys that Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. Amen. We will take deep (laughs) dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because well the news is racist allegedly and i'm only saying that because i have to (laughs) (laughs) and we are wendy and beth she's wendy i'm beth we're not journalists investigators or psychologists just a couple of gals interested in true crime also Mm -hmm. the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that our opinions Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. Please do call us. Now, before we get into it, uh, who are we talking about today, Beth? We are talking about Takahiro Shirai Ishii. Mm. uh, Also known as the Twitter killer, a Japanese serial killer. So, how are you? What's new, Beth? Well, uh, on our break, I uh, was on vacation. I drove up to New Mexico with a friend, and mm-hmm. we met up with my sister for the balloon fiesta in Albuquerque. Fun. Yeah, but unfortunately, <laughs> we never got to see the balloons go up <laughs> in oh, the air. Uh, we saw <laughs> them inflated <laughs> on the ground, but they never went up in the air because the weather wasn't right. On the times that we went. I know. And we went more than once. (laughs) No. (laughs) I had no idea that the weather had to be so perfect for balloons to fly. I guess I should have researched that before I went, but I just had no no idea. But uh, we had fun anyway because, you know. Got to see my sister. We went We went up to Santa Fe and we uh-huh. did a bunch of other stuff. So it was fun. Oh, nice. Well, speaking of weather, by the way, the world will be uninhabitable in <laughs> in about 20 years. So uh, 
better get to those balloon festivals before then. While you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, while you can. Uh, well, me, um, I am like, I still have chills about this experience that I got to be a part of. So I have a friend and his name is Joe. And uh, he is, uh, he was adopted from Honduras when he was four. And we met at the dog park 10 years ago. We're both married to older white people. Not important to the story, but I just had to say it. Anyway, I'm Central American too. And and, and I speak Spanish, but Joe does not because unfortunately his white parents who adopted him would punish him when he would speak Spanish when he was little. Oh, so terrible. Uh, awful. Awful. Uh, it continues. So Joe has been looking for his birth mother for many, many years. And um, he thought he found her. And I happened to have the day off. I was taking a mental health day after all this Judge Cavahell nonsense was happening. <laughs> and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I took the day off and he needed somebody to translate for him. And his mom, uh, as they Facebook, you know, video chatted. And I was there and happy to, to be a part of it, happy to help. And the turns out the adoption agency um, that facilitated his adoption closed down after several illegal adoptions oh, wow. um, were done, including maybe even his. And so oh. Joe had, he had like, uh, like his birth certificate. He had a couple pictures and a few documents. And this woman came on the Facebook chat and she was like, um, just so you know, I, I'm certain you're my son. Like I already know. Oh my he god! Was like, he he was like, "Well, wait a minute." And so <laughs> then, then he pulls out all the receipts, pictures of him as a kid. Oh my god! With his with the family that adopted him, plus pictures and and um photographs and documents from the adoption agency. So she had all. So she of really the was. Receipts. Yeah, she really was his mom. So we learned that. He had siblings. Um, we learned why she gave him up. Uh, he got to tell her, like, look, mom, I, I, it sounds like it was really rough. I'm not angry with you. Um, we confirmed. So me and Joe thought that we were the same age. Like, I'm, I'm 34. Joe's about 35. But it turns out he's actually 39. He oh was my gosh. actually <laughs> eight when he was adopted. Not oh, wow. for, like, his white parents told that's him insane that's I, insane i can't I so know, I did he it. like graduate when he thought he was 18 and he was really like 20 something 22 yeah he was really 20 something yeah Holy so crap. so he's so uh side note he's short he's not a very tall man we we always he he's like a mini um Dwayne the Rock Johnson like he's he's like that <laughs> complexion and he's like muscular and he's like he he's just like he's like a mini the rock and uh so I guess on his adoption papers he said that his um white family was told to forge the papers on purpose because he was so small to make it look like he was four um huh. and so he had to do it's sucky he had to do like kindergarten all over again like come yeah. on man i already did this stuff so That's i'm terrible. speechless i've i know i know I he lost so four hard. years of his life <laughs> he lost four years of his life thanks to who white people so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so hey look me and Joe, we love white people. We're married to them. You know, some of us are employed by many of them. Like, 
we're not hating on on all white people, but the, what his what his the family that adopted him really did not do him a a, a, a service. Um, yeah. So. Um, I have never, ever in my life been more grateful to be able to speak two languages. Um, and if you want to help Joe or Jose, which is his real name, oh, um, wow. then yeah, there will probably be a crowdfunding campaign. They haven't set it up yet. Joe is, um, uh, he fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think he did multiple tours. So he's a veteran. He's an, he's a dope ass guy. He's the best guy. Um, but he has this custom craft business. He made me some gorgeous Africa earrings. He made me an, an Africa bracelet just in like five minutes. Um, he made wow. metal palm trees for his neighbors. Um, he made a mailbox for one of his neighbors. He made my husband a Michael Jordan jump man. He can make <laughs> anything. So if you want to support Joe being able to um, reunite with his mom, um, I just wanted to shout out his business. It's called These Hands, T-H-E-S-E-H-A-N-D-S. And you can check them out on Facebook or Instagram. He is incredible. This is a great cause. And you can support him getting to Honduras to meet his birth mom by supporting These Hands. Very cool. Oh, yes. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I've still got goosebumps. So, um... (laughs) Let's get into our listener letters. Okay. Uh, I wanted to give a few shout outs to some folks who posted some of our, on some of our social media platforms. Amanda on Facebook said, uh, so glad I found this podcast. I can already tell it's going to be one of the best. Uh, I love this podcast. Super funny and straight to the point. Uh, and then uh, Forever His 67 on Podbean says, great show. Keep up the good work. And a big shout out to Val in our Facebook discussion group who actually, oh my gosh, this was fucking dope, painted a picture <laughs> for us. Uh, and it's super dope. And very creative. And if you want to see it, uh, just check us, check out the Facebook discussion group. Yeah, Maybe just join our Facebook cover. group and you can see it. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Yes. yes. So um, what do we got next? Ooh, crime news. Serial killer crime news. Extra, extra read all about it. Uh, so inside an abandoned funeral home, a hidden compartment casket was located and uh, 12 infant bodies were inside of it. Cantrell Funeral Home. Yes, that's a lot. of That's a lot. Mm, Cantrell Funeral Home. mm, Yes. uh, Located in East Detroit. Born and raised in East Detroit. (laughs) uh, Was shut down in April and state inspectors had walked into the East Detroit establishment one day in April and found two bodies grown over with mold the face yeah the face of a third was covered with strange fluid don't know what that is but they had been stashed in an unrefrigerated garage for for weeks or months okay this is awful yes what lots of fucks raymond cantrell who had been um the owner, he took over the business um, uh, the in the year before. He told Fox 2 Detroit uh, that he'd been storing the corpses until the families found money to pay for their funerals as a favor, quote unquote favor. Yeah, but not that in the garage. Geez. Not Just in store, the- you know, they could probably store it in their own garage if that's what they wanted. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. They, there were probably a lot of other ways to go about this. Uh, now, uh, I I was gonna I, I was gonna call out like call out the um, reporters and the police for being kind of shady. Like they were throwing shade at the the black funeral um, homeowner. Um, but it turns out that uh, it. My, maybe my instincts were wrong. So the state, um, they, they closed the place down and the new owner was going to turn the place into a community center. Someone sent the police an anonymous letter and the letter contained directions. Um, and the homicide lieutenant um, referenced this letter and it led to the inspectors or the, it led the inspectors to a hidden compartment in a lowered ceiling so concealed that Bowser, the police guy, was not sure anyone would have found it otherwise. Inside the ceiling were a cardboard box and a casket. The casket contained two dead infants. The box held nine more, wrapped Jesus. in trash bags. Okay. Uh, the medical examiner knew the identities of some of the infants and their families were being notified. How? It's, um. I don't know exactly how. I guess I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, when a a baby is stillborn at a hospital, um, I I guess that the hospital makes arrangements with the funeral homes to dispose of the body, um, and perhaps the medical examiner is involved in that process, and that's why they are able to identify the the children so quickly. I don't know huh. exactly for sure, but that was my uh, um. That's what I assumed. But, you know, when you assume stuff, you make an ass out of you and me. So I don't know for sure. <laughs> if you're listening and you know, please tell us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let us know. <laughs> the the police, uh, Mr. Bowser, the policeman, said it's just the callousness of the owner, the operators, the employees of the funeral home. How dare they? Um, so it looks like the funeral home just took the money and then didn't follow through with taking care of the body just stashed so. it in the walls jeez just stashed it in the walls Why? And the money. yeah that's how you make counted houses come on <laughs> yeah happy halloween everyone yeah happy oh. halloween <laughs> yes so oh jesus christ so uh before before we're so wrong before i'm going to hell for sure before we get into our episode uh we would like to say that this is a podcast about true crime and people of color okay so true crime is a difficult is it's difficult to talk about and it's difficult to hear about sometimes and race is the same but both are just part of the world that we live in and we want this to be a safe space where we can have discussions about it um, be open and learn and we're all learning all the time and hopefully trying to be our best sexy selves amen right <laughs> and we welcome our listeners to be a part of the conversation on facebook or twitter at fruit loops pod or email us at fruit loops pod at gmail.com that's right sorry Hip hop air horn is a little late. <laughs> so we're back. So take it away, Beth. 
<laughs> okay, so uh, Takahiro Shiraishi. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm trying to pronounce it right. So Takahiro Shiraishi, also known as the Twitter Killer and the Zama Suicide Pack Slayer, uh, is our subject today. And he met his victims on Twitter and talked with them about going through with a suicide pact and then killed them. And on Halloween oh. in 2017, police discovered nine dismembered heads in his Tokyo suburb apartment. All right. So let's get into some stats. <laughs> All right. He, he killed nine people from September 2017 to October 31st. 2017 eight of his victims were women one was a man and nine heads were found in his home as beth said along with 240 bones and several containers containing body parts surprise (laughs) merry christmas merry christmas happy halloween (laughs) hey you kids want to come trick-or-treat in my house (laughs) i've just got some bones yeah (laughs) <laughs> just imagining giving out bones for you want to go to my house? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no i no, don't no. actually i'm all right <laughs> so uh shiriishi grew up in zama on the outskirts of tokyo with his parents and a younger sister in a house approximately 15 minutes from the loft apartment where he moved to as an adult he was a quiet inconspicuous boy who w- went to a local elementary and junior high schools in the city. His grades were not great, but he was a conscientious student who did not miss a day of school. Shariashi was a scrawny teenager with thin-rimmed spectacles who joined his junior high's baseball team as a freshman and then track team as a senior. Classmates didn't have much to say about him uh, other than, you know, that they recalled that he enjoyed playing the quote unquote choking game, my favorite, which uh, (laughs) (laughs) he was reported uh, to have passed out during the game. Yeah, I don't understand that uh, choking game. Uh, Wait a minute. Well, okay. So you never, I never played the choking game, but you never played the pass out game with your friends? No. What the hell is the pass out game? You just hold your breath until until you pass out. That's just nuts. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess we'll continue. <laughs> I guess that's just me. <laughs> Wendy is weird, everybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell us, tell us, have have you guys played that game, and and what's the yeah, appeal? Yeah. yeah. Let's let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> I'm so now. Okay, continue. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I'm, it. I'm ridiculous. I did. It's I did lots of weird trademark. stuff, but <laughs> I'm sure other people have too. Uh, I'll just cut brand. that part out. I'll I'll cut everything okay. that I said out. <laughs> okay, no, it's no, gone. No, 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 no. Let's 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 be true. Let's speak your truth. Okay. Speak your truth. All right. All right. <laughs> So uh, Shariishi uh, went on to study at the prefectural high school in the city of Yokohama. A prefecture is a division in Japan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm You're over there, hip-hop air horny. 
sorry. You just All can't right. wait to hip hop air horn. We're just, we're just, yeah, we're just we're getting back into the swing of things. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so a prefecture in, is a division in Japan and equivalent in the U.S. would be maybe a state or in Canada, a province. And it was around this time that things fell apart at home when he was in high school. His parents divorced and his mother and sister moved out. After graduating from senior high in 2009, Shirayashi took on a series of odd jobs, including a supermarket uh, at a supermarket, food factory and a pachinko parlor uh, before becoming a scout for a sex working organization. He was active in Shinjuku's Kabokicho district. Uh, Kabokicho, Shinjuku, Tokyo, also known as Sleepless Town, is an entertainment and red light district, the site of many host and hostess clubs, love hotels, restaurants, shops, and nightclubs. His job was to seek out young women and lure them into working in the clubs there. Mm. He was arrested and eventually given a suspended jail sentence for recruiting a young woman for a sex for a sex shop with the foreknowledge that she would be pressed into prostitution. Shiryashi was described by some during this time as an ambitious, dangerous man who is capable of betrayal. However, one woman who dated him in 2016 said he was a gentle character who was never angry with women. And another woman who had had a relationship with him said Shiryashi was unusually more gentle than ordinary people, despite a morbid fascination with death and suicide. He had sent her messages such as, let's commit suicide together. Oh, okay. (laughs) And once texted... I have killed a hostess who said she wanted to die, which the Mm. former girlfriend dismissed as a joke. He was described by others as quiet, gentle, and polite. And Shiryashi was close to his father, who works at an automotive design workshop. Takahiro frequently helped out at the workshop and occasionally had dinner and drinks with his father. So... Um, you know about this incel business that's going on in the news? These incel mm-hmm. dudes, these involuntary, mm-hmm. involuntary uh, celibate yeah. individuals who are committing terrible crimes against people. Yeah. Um, yep. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe this was him, but he had two girlfriends, so he wasn't. Yeah, he, he wasn't, wasn't like celibate. that. No, uh, no, okay. I don't. I don't think that was his deal. Okay. Um, I'm just killing time because I forgot where we were. Here we go. (laughs) Setting. (laughs) Setting. All right. This case took place in Tokyo, Japan in the fall of 2017. Now, Japan has the sixth highest suicide rate in the world. The general attitude towards suicide in Japan could be described as quote unquote tolerant. And in many cases, suicide is seen as a morally responsible action. This attitude probably stems from the historical function of suicide. Tell us more, Beth. In feudal Japan, honorable suicide, seppuku, among samurai, Japanese warriors, was considered a justified response to failure or defeat in battle. 
Another example of honor suicide would be the kamikaze pilots in World War II. Yo. And uh, another example is in uh, Madama Butterfly, the uh, Puccini opera. The uh, mm-hmm. main character, Madama Butterfly, uh, commits suicide because her lover left with her son. Mm. Um, honor suicides are also referred to as harakiri, uh, which Westerners often m- mispronounce as Harry Carey. Okay, way to go, Westerners. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> tolerance of suicide in Japan may also be explained by a cultural need to be accepted by others. For the Japanese, acceptance and conformity are valued above individuality. One's worth is associated with how one is perceived by others. This can lead to fragile self-concept and an increased likelihood of considering suicide when someone feels alienated. So although Japanese culture historically permitted tolerant views on the morality and social acceptability of suicide, the rapid growth of suicide rates since the 1990s has increased public concerns about suicide. One phenomenon that the Japanese people have found particularly concerning is that uh, Shinju or suicide packs that are formed among individuals, typically strangers, through internet forums and message boards. These packs, which are referred to as internet group suicide, are formed with the intention of all individuals meeting to die by suicide at the same time by the same method. The concept of group suicide also has a historical precedence in Japanese culture. Although traditional Shinju is different from modern internet group suicide packs in that traditional Shinju involved lovers or family members rather than complete strangers. So I guess something akin to Romeo and Juliet uh, rather than just complete strangers meeting on the internet and vowing to commit suicide, which doesn't make for that romantic of a story. No, it's not as, not, not very romantic at all. No. Uh, nope. Another difference is that mutual consent from the those who die by historical Shinju was not required. In other words, certain forms of Shinju might be considered murder-suicide in Western cultures rather than suicide. Um, An example of this type of Shinju would be a mother killing her children and then killing herself. It's heavy. Yeah, it is. The uh, modern Shinju have not received the same level of tolerance or social acceptability as honor-suicide. Seppuku and Harakiri are seen as serving a function to preserve honor. Internet group suicide is seen as more thoughtless and impulsive, with no real reason for entering into such packs. Overall, modern public concern about Japan in Japan's increasing suicide rate has tended to focus on suicide as a social issue rather than a public health concern. Japanese culture emphasizes maladjustment into society and social factors as playing a larger role in an individual's decision to commit suicide than a mental health issue. Also, stigma surrounding mental health care still exists in Japan um, and everywhere. So the focus has been on (laughs) reforming social programs that contribute to economic stability like welfare rather than creating specific mental health services. 
Okay, so that's it about suicide. Uh, well, sort of. Yeah, all right. Okay, drink a glass of sunshine. Smile, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Take a drink, and uh, here we go into the next, the next thing, <laughs> which is. So let me try to pronounce this. A O K Gahara. Uh huh. Also known as the Sea of Trees. Ooh. It's a forest on the northwestern flank of Japan's Mount Fuji. Parts of the forest are very dense. Uh, porous old lava absorbs sound, helping provide a sense of solitude. The forest's trees organically twist and turn, their roots winding across the forest floor. A feeling of isolation is created from the stillness of the forest, the trees are too tightly packed for winds to whip through, and the wildlife is sparse. Historically, the forest had a reputation for being the home of ghosts of the dead in Japanese mythology. More recently, it has become internationally known as the suicide forest. Ayokiagara is one of the most popular suicide destinations in the world. Statistics on Ayokiagara's suicide rates vary in part because the forest is so lush that some corpses can go undiscovered for years or might even be forever lost. However, some estimates claim as many as 100 people a year have successfully killed themselves there. Because of the high suicide rate, Japan's government enacted a plan of action to reduce suicide. Part of these measures included security cameras at the entrance of the suicide forest and increasing patrols. Suicide counselors and police have also posted signs on various paths throughout the forest that offer messages like, think carefully about your children and your family. And your life is a precious gift from your parents. Volunteers who search the area for bodies and other visitors typically mark their way with a plastic ribbon that they'll loop around trees if they leave the path. Otherwise, it's very easy to become lost. And since the soil of the suicide forest is rich with magnetic iron, it plays havoc on cell phone service, GPS systems, and even compasses. Yikes. This is why the tape can be so crucial. But some people believe that this feature is proof of the supernatural at work. Signs in the suicide forest suggest staying on the path, which sounds like a really good idea to me. Uh, yeah. Uh <laughs> Well, listen, I, I don't plan on going there anytime soon. No. Now, the most common ways people commit suicide in the forest are by hanging or drug overdose. Authorities have stopped making the numbers of the suicide attempts public to try to decrease the occurrences. In 2016, an American horror film set in Aokigara uh, called The Forest, starring Natalie Dormer, was released. Haven't seen it. Have you? I haven't either. No, I'm not a big fan of horror. What? You love true crime, but you don't like horror? <laughs> Excuse <Yep>. me? <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like scary movies. I like ghost movies, but not, not horror oh, movies. This? And it depends. I don't know. That one, that one looked pretty, pretty freaking We're going to have to break this down at some point because I need <laughs> details. <laughs> All right, but... For a future episode, of course. Yes. Um, so anyway, uh, Japan's suicide forest also made its way to American media early in 2018 when, God almighty, a young Caucasian, uncultured, white YouTube star, Logan Paul, 
everybody has heard of him, I'm assuming, uh, who earned millions per year for his wild ass YouTube videos, decided that he was going to take his show to Japan and kick it up a notch. During his stay, he disrespected Japanese people on the street by doing crazy ass things. I think he threw a fish in somebody's face. Oh my God. Jumped over somebody's car. Acting a damn fool. Wow. To top off his greatest hits, he decided to go into the suicide forest where there were bodies hanging. And rather than showing respect or reverence, he cracked jokes and laughed at the suicide victims. His career was over after that. I think YouTube cut him off. Um, uh, All his sponsors were like, sayonara, sucker. And he tried to... he tried to apologize, but uh, I don't even think he's r- fully recovered. So, um, wow. Yeah. Talk about the ugly American. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, by the way, Logan Paul has a younger brother who is also a YouTube star. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, he, he, he's wild. He hasn't recovered. Yeah. This was this was this was crazy. This was the most insensitive act Um yeah, that's he, terrible. I can't believe he didn't have advisors who were like, bro, maybe yeah, we should not do a good this. idea. Yeah. <laughs> You're making millions of dollars. Nobody, no smart person around you could have been like, I don't think we should do this. So let's get into the timeline. Okay, so uh, we don't know specific dates for most of the murders, but we do know Mm. that the time period was from August 2017 to October 31st, Halloween, on 2017. Uh, We did the best that we could to to piece together the (laughs) dates and the story from what we could find. So please forgive us. Um, We wanted to point out that Twitter is an important part of this story in particular. Shiriashi had built up uh, a small following on Twitter uh, through at least two accounts, one of which was called I Want to Die and another a professional at hanging. Shiriashi's uh, a professional at hanging Twitter account handle was at hanging pro so appropriate (laughs) he'd start conversations with uh vulnerable people and uh he told them he could ease their pain and his twitter avatar was a manga illustration of a young man dressed in black with red irises and cuts on his neck and wrist manga in japan is a word used to refer to both comics and cartooning Outside of Japan, manga refers to comics originally published in Japan. The history is long. The fandom is vast. And I am, neither of us are an expert on manga or no, or anime. Not at all. But if you want to know more, I'd check out a podcast by two people of color, Ify Whiteyway and Danny Fernandez called Nerdificent. And uh, they did a whole episode uh, on Dragon Ball Z and the franchise and broke down manga and anime culture. So check that out if you want to know more yeah. um, about this stuff. Manga stuff, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Shiryoshi's profile on the I Want to Die account, uh, he described himself as being unlucky in love and seeking company. He is said to have cast himself as desperate in his tweets. I want to forget everything. I want to disappear, he wrote in one posting. 
In another post, he said, if you are at a dead end, please consult me. Oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> his Twitter was how he lured his victims. His bio advertised a desire to help suicidal people end their suffering. He put out tweets encouraging victims to keep their desires secret from their families and their friends. One month after he was given a suspended prison term for being a scout for a prostitution ring, Takahiro Shirayushi confessed to his father that he saw no meaning in life. But in August of 2017, Takahiro told his father that he had met the love of his life and would like to move into his own place. That sounds good. Yeah. Right? Right. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah. He should be happy. Yay. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't mm -mm -mm. all. Yay. <laughs> On August 13th, 2017, Shira... Oh, man. Okay. Shiraishi. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Shiraishi uh, met Mizuki Miura, a 21-year-old woman who lived with her parents and worked at a job placement agency. Mizuki's friends described her as a kind and gentle person. Uh, Shiraishi and uh, Mizuki met up at a park on August 13th, along with Mizuki's male friend, Shogo Nishinaki, and they had some drinks. This is apparently common in Japan, drinking in the park, especially in the spring and summer, because there is no open container law. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, they treat nice. them like adults there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mizuki was planning on getting an apartment, and Shiryashi uh, offered to be her roommate. It was after this meeting that Shiryashi, sorry, I keep pronouncing it differently. Shiryashi. No problem. <laughs> I, I also had trouble with it. So yeah, so I apologize. I keep pronouncing it differently. I'm trying to say it the same, but uh, yeah, I apologize. Anyway. You're doing great, Beth. <laughs> Hip-hop air horns for Beth. <laughs> Pronouncing Shiryashi. <laughs> Shiryishi. Shiri 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 Shiryishi. Okay, it was there at this go! meeting that Shiryishi told his father that he wanted his own place and his father acted as a guarantor for an apartment that rented for 20,000 yen, which is equivalent to approximately $200 a month. Mizuki and Shiraishi went down to the real estate office together and Shiraishi signed the documents. On August 22nd, 2017, Shiraishi uh, moved uh, into the 140-square-foot apartment. That's so wow. small. <laughs> That's so small. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking the smallest place I've ever lived in was 600 square feet. Yeah, mine was about 150 square feet. So yeah, 140 wow. okay. square feet is like a closet. A closet. Oh, my. Oh, me. Oh, my. So Mizuki's male friend or boyfriend, not sure which, lent Mizuki 510,000 yen, which is about uh, $4,500, to rent the apartment. And shortly afterwards, Shiryashi killed Mizuki by drugging her and then hanging her. He later said that this that his main motive in renting the apartment was to have a place to kill Mizuki. Whoa. But yeah. he also apparently took the $4,500. Yeah, so he wasn't above taking that money. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, gotta, gotta make that paper, right? Right. right? Am I right? 
<laughs> on August 28th, 2017, Kariha Ishihara, mm-hmm. a 15-year-old high school student from Ora Gunma Prefecture, was last seen as she headed out for her first day of school. She was a high school freshman and Shiraishi's youngest victim. An only child who lived with her parents, she was an avid reader who enjoyed manga and playing video games. On September 13th, 2017, Hitomi Fujima, a 26-year-old divorced mother from Saitama, went missing after leaving work earlier than usual. Coworkers said that even though she left earlier than usual, she seemed hesitant to leave. She had plans to meet with a male acquaintance, but canceled her plans with him because, as she told him, she was going to meet up with someone she met on Twitter. Her family found a note that said she was going to kill herself, and they contacted the police. On September 15, 2017, Hinaka Sarashina, a 19-year-old female university student from Saitama Prefecture, where she lived with her parents. She disappeared after she told her parents that she was going to work at her part-time job. Hinako enjoyed drawing and excelled in math and science. On September 26, 2017, Akira Suda, a 17-year-old high school junior from Fukushima City, was last seen at her school's sports day which I assume is, what was the thing that we used to have uh, when we like would do... Like a pep rally? No, it was like a day f- when we would do sports all day long. What was that called? Oh. You don't remember? I don't know. If there was a day like that, I would have been hiding inside <laughs> under a desk. I yeah, I hate it. I hate it that day. <laughs> I, but I, I, I do not if like anybody can remember what, what that's called... <laughs> I'm sure I'll remember please, like please five minutes, know. five minutes after we record this, <laughs> I'll remember. But uh, I assume yeah, it's something, it was it. something like that. Um, Akira okay. loved to draw anime and manga characters and had <laughs> dreams of attending college and becoming a manga artist. She was a leader at her junior high school, junior high school art club. And on September 30th, 2017, Natsumi Kubo, a 17-year-old high school sophomore who lived with her parents, brother, and four other family members, went missing. She was described as being quiet and that she really loved anime. She had been very involved in choir at the time. She told her mother that she was going to the supermarket, and unfortunately, she never returned. On October 18th, 2017, Kazumi Maruyama went missing. She was a 25-year-old woman who worked part-time at a convenience store. Her mother described her as always having a smile on her face. Shiriashi had one male victim. Uh, His name was Shogo Nishinaka, who was 20 years old. If you recall, he was the friend of Mizuki Miura, Shiriashi's first victim. Shogo went looking for his missing friend and went to see Shiriashi, who killed him out of fear that he would go to the police. Shogo was known as an enthusiastic bass guitarist who played in a band and also worked at a facility for disabled and handicapped people. His band was planning on going on tour. We're not exactly sure when he went missing. Yeah, that's kind of frustrating. That we, I wish we knew more details. Details, on the dates. yeah. We're pretty good about the details on the dates. Yeah, I like to find just that. Didn't, 
couldn't find them. Sorry, yeah. guys. Um, on October 21st, 2017, Aiko Tamura was last seen when she met up with a friend. She then went missing, 23 years old. She was from Tokyo, uh, from the Tokyo suburb, suburb of Hachioji. Oh, my gosh. Forgive us on the Yeah, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, this is hard for us. She had been living in a group home because she had some uh, psychological issues and could not live by herself. And her mother had died, so she was all alone. Yeah, and uh, she had told her brother that the other people in the group home scared her. She loved animals and dreamed of working in a pet store. Hmm, that's sweet. So now we're going to get into the investigation. Um, so in Japan, it is considered shameful to report a child as missing because it is dishonorable to the parents. An integral part of Asian culture is honor. Um, so most of the women and girls were not reported missing, unfortunately. Yeah, but Aiko Tamura's brother went looking for her. He hacked into his sister's Twitter account and found messages on Twitter from Takahiro Shiriyashi about helping her with suicide. He not- he did notify the police. Amen. Through Shiriyashi's Twitter account, police identified another woman who had been in touch with him on Twitter. She agreed to contact him and, and invite him to meet up with her at a train station while the police observed. The police then followed Shiriyashi back to his apartment and knocked on the door. When Shiriyashi answered, police observed boxes inside of the apartment. They asked Shiriyashi if he knew where Aiko was, and he replied, in there, and pointed to a cooler. (laughs) Uh, uh, Excuse me? Yeah, Shiriyashi was very calm and quiet (laughs) when he did this. Jesus, Lord, help us. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yes, (laughs) Jesus, no. When the police investigated, they found three cooler boxes and five large storage boxes in Shiriyashi's apartment. They checked the eight boxes and found body parts, including heads, legs, arms, in seven of the boxes. The body parts were stored with kitty litter on top, just to help with the smell, I think is what he thought. Uh, But it did not work. (laughs) In all, they found nine human heads and 240 bones. Oh, my. Parts of the bodies, yeah. Parts of the bodies showed multiple cuts and some portions had already been reduced to bone. Police found scissors, knives, a saw, and old work tools in the home, which were used to dismember the bodies. What? Neighbors told police that they had (laughs) noticed a foul odor for the past two months. Didn't bother complaining to the HOA. I don't know if they have HOAs. But if my HOA smelled one flick of a foul smell, you better believe I would get a fucking letter about it. Your ass would be out on the street. My ass would be out on the street full of fines. So neighbors told police that they had noticed a foul odor for the past two months, which they described it as smelling like sewage. But they had neither seen nor heard anything amiss and had not reported the smell. Although one of the neighbors later pointed out that it was strange that his bedroom ventilation fan was kept on at all times. 
Okay. Very strange. Very yeah. strange. <laughs> You're going to just look <laughs> through your neighbor's blinds, smell all this stuff, and not report one goddamn thing. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the neighbors are at fault and have have some we can point we can point the finger fairly at some of these neighbors for not for not reporting any all the serial killers we've talked about. Well, you know what I I, I think about is that that who uh, Anthony Soul and how smelly his oh, yes. house was and yes. nobody nobody could Nobody's figure it out. Ready. Yeah, come on. Yeah, so, well they did they complained but nobody could figure out what was going on. Oh yes, that's right. And then the was it the the there was a business that like slaughtered pigs. Yeah, there was a they, sausage. They, like, there was everything. a sausage shop next they spent door. Spent a whole yeah. bunch of money and it didn't it didn't get rid. Yeah, of they had to oh. clean all the sewers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, oh, all right, boy. All right, I'll have a yeah, seat. Yeah. So. <laughs> so um, well, I was just gonna say, you know, if you if if your neighbor's house smells like a sewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe notify the police. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> now people maybe. of color are very, have reservations about calling the police because if you call the police, they're probably going to come and shoot you for no reason. But yeah, or or arrest means, you or something, or arrest yeah. you and ruin your life and put you in the system. But if it means saving somebody's life, we might have to consider it. It might be a good idea to call the police just to look. Yeah. At just to look into it. Yeah, just to, just to yeah. check it out. Just take yeah. a peek. Okay. Okay. So anyway, uh, Sherry Ishii was arrested at his home on Halloween in 2017. Ooh. <laughs> so that's, that's my Halloween noise. He said very little to police when arrested, except that all of his victims wanted to die and that he was providing a service. On his perp walk, the cop called him a madman. And Sherry, she said, I'm not mad at anyone. (laughs) All right, Mr. Shiriashi. During his investigation, Shiriashi told the police that he would search Twitter looking for any woman tweeting suicidal thoughts. He would then begin building an online relationship with with them and after gaining their trust, he would make plans to meet. To ensure that his victims would not back out at the last minute, he would arrange to meet them at a train station near their homes, and then they would travel together to his apartment. He confessed to killing nine people between August and October of 2017, for the most part on the same day that he met them. Eight of the nine victims were women, mainly in their late teens and early 20s. After he would lure them to his apartment, he would give them alcohol, tranquilizers, and sleeping pills. Yes, please. Sexually assault them and then <laughs> strangle them to death with a rope. Shiryashi told police that the first time he dismembered a body, it took him three days. After the second murder, though, he was able to do it within a day. Aplauso, un aplauso para Shiryashi, okay, for, <laughs> I guess, honing his craft. Shiryashi said that he cut up the bodies in his bathroom with the intention of destroying evidence. He said that he would dispose of the flesh and internal organs in the same way that he would dispose of garbage. But he kept their bones out of fear that he would get caught. That's kind of smart, actually. You think so? 
You're the true crime OG. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, to, to get rid of the flesh and then all you have left is bones. So I guess I would probably get rid of the bones too, but uh, it's like, instead of carrying a whole body out, uh-huh. just to, to dispose of the flesh and the internal organs first. And they're then, the, like, they're the stinkier it. parts, right? The stink- I mean, yeah, get rid of that part. And then, you know, you just have like a bag of bones left. And I would take those out and get those, rid of those too, but probably like in a bag and take them down to some uh, garbage bin or uh, uh-huh. the ocean or. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder terrible. why he try like. I don't know. I mean, maybe he could getting rid of the bones apartment, apartment, but well, you know. know, he did all of this within uh, a span of less than three months. Okay. So he had so many bodies in there. It was um, hard to keep up with maybe. Yeah. I think it was probably hard to keep up with. And, and uh, I, I don't think he was thinking about it too much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and he was still working yeah. at the time, right? Right, like still uh, learning. I'm not sure. I mean, how was he paying? How was he paying for this? Oh, well, he, he stole that money. money from the dead people. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, it kind of well, reminds well, me well. a little bit of uh, H. H. Holmes. Oh, the House of Horrors guy from him. Chicago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit of that because you know he would kill people. Um, it seemed like just recreationally and uh-huh. uh, steal their money and like uh-huh. use people and I don't know. Uh-huh. It just kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah. Man, the audacity! By the way, none of these people who are well, we have done a couple lady killers who steal people's money after they kill them. Yeah, <laughs> mostly it's just dudes. Come on. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, uh, Shiriyashi told investigators that he lured his victims to his apartment by saying he would help them die. However, he also told police that he committed the murders for sex and to steal money and that he wanted to lead an easy life. He also told them that none of the victims truly wanted to die. Okay. Well, he uh, is clearly implicated himself i don't know why we need a trial to uh (laughs) (laughs) to prove whether he's innocent or guilty because he's confessed but uh if there were going to be a trial it would probably be to figure out how long this guy is going to be behind bars or how what his punishment will be so there has not been a trial um normally we don't cover a case on this show if there hasn't been a trial but uh shiriyashi has already admitted to his crimes yep and after his arrest prosecutors decided to have him undergo a psychiatric examination before indicting him because his mental state at the time of the crimes is expected to be a focal point of his trial didn't you say that psychopaths like excel at like like psychological exams that they shouldn't do it um because they man- uh, manipulate counseling the... oh okay counseling okay. so uh the psychiatric examination is a little different they're they're observing him and making okay. uh you know conclusions oh. about uh him not necessarily his fitness to stand trial 
not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Tell me how your parents. Right. Although they are very manipulative. So, you know, so they can manipulate that too. But if the, um, if the person who's examining him is very experienced, then they can see through that. Mm hmm. Oh, so sad. Okay. After five months of psychiatric examination, um, showed that Shiryashi could be held criminally responsible. Prosecutors finally pressed charges and he was indicted September 10th, 2018, just one month ago. Yep. Yep. And uh, there we go. Not very long ago. So no. uh, since, since he has admitted to killing and butchering nine people, I imagine that the trial will be about whether or not he was sane when he committed these crimes mm -hmm. rather than if, if he committed the crimes and then I, like you said, his sentence. I think so too. So uh, our uh, news cycle, I, I purposefully listen to uh, South American and Central American news. Um, uh -huh. And so I, I hear about sort of different things that they're not really reporting on the United States news cycle. Um, okay. And so I just bring that up because I don't know if we'll ever hear about uh, Mr. Shiryashi's case again. Oh, because right. Because it's not in right. the U.S. news. There's so much going on here that we might not ever we might not ever hear again. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you guys are listening to this show and you're following the story, you know, update us on the on the facebook group because um just based on yeah, you know, how our news works we we may we might not know <laughs> so anyway yeah. uh where are they now <laughs> Well, Shiryashi <laughs> is in prison waiting trial. And one bright spot to this case, the serial killing shocked Japan so much that it prompted the government and social networking businesses to improve support for young people in despair. The Education, Culture, Sports, Science, and Technology Ministry has decided to financially support counseling projects in 30 municipalities that utilize popular SNS apps like Line. Line is a Japanese app for instant messaging on smartphones and PCs like Line users can exchange text messages, graphics, video, and audio media, um, make free voice over IP calls, and um, hold free audio and video conferences. Well, that's good. Cool. Yeah, it sounds kind of like Facebook Messenger a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So the government has also vowed to tackle internet-linked crimes by improving education for elementary school students and encouraging private sector groups to monitor SNS posts related to suicides. Awesome. Uh, in January, Twitter Japan began allowing users to be linked to a nonprofit organization on suicide prevention work whenever words related to suicide are searched for. That's cool. That is great. Yeah. Un aplauso. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> uh, what made Mr. Shiryashi snap? Well, I have my two cents. I think it was several things. I think that, so 
he got out of prison not long before he started you know his murderous rampage and uh he told his dad that he had nothing to live for and his girlfriend broke up with him and i don't know when you have nothing to lose yeah follow your dreams yeah that's right. <laughs> so I I read that he was able to socialize with others just fine. So uh-huh. like we were talking about earlier, I don't think it was that he was awkward. Like some okay. serial killers who are extremely social, socially awkward and therefore lonely and uh, do weird things because of that. Yeah. Um, and he was able to work in the sex industry as a scout, manipulating right. women into working for brothels so Uh there's more evidence that he was able to socialize just fine if Mm -hmm. even though it was pretty fucked up but uh, you know he's talking to people Mm -hmm. people seem to uh respond to him him. he's socializing yeah Yeah, he's manipulating Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. um and i think he justified his murders by telling himself and later others that they all wanted to die anyway but I think he just enjoyed murdering them. And I think it was just something he liked to do, something he'd been thinking about. And um, I th- I think he just enjoyed murdering them. Mm. I don't have any idea what made him snap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, he seems to have had a pretty normal childhood. Although okay. his participation his divorced. in the choking, choking game. Choking yeah, but yeah. lots of people's parents divorce. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. you know, he, he was playing the choking game and, and he ended up killing his uh, victims by uh, choking them, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. He seemed to have some fasc- fascination with that. Uh-huh. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. Um, yeah. But hopefully we will learn more uh, when he goes to trial. Uh, yeah. But right now, to me, it looks like kind of like a bad seed type of situation. He was just bad. He was just <laughs> he a was bad. Just, he was just a, nice a bad guy. dude. Yeah. He was just a bad yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I mean, I again, I can't. I we're we're gonna get into our takeaways. So rather than uh, ha, ha, let's just get into the takeaways. Okay. So yeah. Because um, <laughs> we're gonna. I mean, yeah. Here we go. Takeaways. Continue this, but um, so my uh takeaway is be careful with them Twitter fingers, everybody, because you can tweet (laughs) all kinds of nonsense. And like one time I went on Twitter and uh, I was feeling uh, really like depressed, and I was like, I need to feel uh, even more depressed. (laughs) So I looked for the most (laughs) racist, the most racist tweets. This and some. This is not a good idea, but I did it anyway. So I looked for the most. <laughs> but it happened. Racist tweets. It happened. I looked for the most racist tweets to make me the most make me feel the most horrible about myself and my family. And um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know why I'm saying this. Um. So anyway, I, I and then and then I responded to some of the racist oh, tweets. Boy. And that is so. Don't do that. So anyway, be careful with the Twitter fingers <laughs> is what I am saying. Uh, and then yeah. uh, don't, uh, as far as mental illness is concerned, um, please do not suffer in silence. Don't, and don't watch some for someone suffer in silence. I, um, 
you can sometimes tell somebody's off. Just, just ask them, hey, girl, are you okay? Hey, bro, are you all right? Can I help you? Um, you know, don't say, don't, don't, don't not say anything. Also, I wonder if anybody noticed that these women were contemplating suicide. Um, if, if somebody's really sad, sometimes you can tell people around you can tell. Um, you know, uh, I wonder if anybody asked how they were doing and if, um, there was anything that they could do to help. So, uh, we'll get, we'll give some resources at the end of the show, but I yeah. just don't suffer in silence and don't, don't watch somebody suffer in silence. That's all. That's my takeaway. Yeah. And, and be careful not to post too much personal stuff on Twitter, uh, to <laughs> lesson <people>. learned. <laughs> uh, well, sick people like this will pray, prey on others who they perceive as vulnerable. And it's disgusting how he preyed on people feeling suicidal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's yeah. more guys like that out there. Yeah, and the these were one. young women who could have, and, and one young man who mm-hmm. could have made it through this vulnerable time if someone else had picked up on their suicidal ideations mm-hmm. and helped them rather than killed them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, yeah. Uh, so like, <laughs> I wish somebody had helped them Could've instead of killed them. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a stupid thing to say, this but is, yeah. Gonna, we're going to do this one of two ways. Uh, <laughs> and I have to say, I'm absolutely not blaming other people for not no, intervening because no, no, no. it's hard. And it may be that uh, the people closest to these uh, people did not even know um, that they were struggling. And I'm just saying that it's sick that he preyed on them instead of helping them. (laughs) Uh, Captain Obvious over here. Hey! (laughs) I salute you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) But no, no, I think, I, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think we should bring up Captain Obvious here because think of all the people who have, um, just in recent years, you know, lost their lives due to, you know, an overdose or an accidental suicide or, or, you know, people who, uh, top of mind is Anthony Bourdain. If somebody had answered the phone when Anthony Bourdain called, would we, would he, would he still be here with us? And so, um, I just, I don't know, answer the phone. You know, if you see somebody sad, I just, you know, Ask them how they're doing and how you can help. That's all. Um, yeah. That's all. But I'm if saying. something happens, it's not your fault either. That is true. That is very true. That's a hundred percent. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but so I guess that makes it, that makes it a really complicated issue is. It is. It's know. very complex. It's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we're not going to solve it in one podcast, so let's move oh, on. Sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah. All right. This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. 
but in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Yep. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. So what do you got? So for this one, yeah, this one, I was going to say, just be very careful when meeting people through social media. Uh, meet in very populated places and don't go home with them when you first meet. A lot of people do meet through social media these days, and it probably is a lot better than uh, meeting them at the bar, which is what we used to do back in the day. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I have met some very good friends that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not the bar. (laughs) 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 Through social media. (laughs) And my sister actually met her husband uh, through a World of Warcraft, if you believe it. And uh, yeah. (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) Are you okay? Are you all right? (laughs) I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm back to normal. Wow, America. that's crazy. Whoa. <laughs> I know. Whoa. Oh my god, I feel like I just had an orgasm. I need a like breath. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. All right. So okay. yeah. So, so there's absolutely dope. nothing, nothing wrong with meeting people on social media. You just have to take precautions. I know that's a lot right. of people, like the older people, especially people of my generation. And older, and like, oh, meeting people online, it's so weird, you know. Well, it's tell those people to eat a bag of dicks. Because, <laughs> eat a bag of dicks. Eat a bag, you it's- can eat a big bag of dicks, eat a big old bag of dicks, eat a big old bag of dicks, eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> Eat a bag of dicks. Eat a bag bag of dicks. dicks. Eat a bag of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, yeah. Don't 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 listen to those old people telling you to get off of their lawn. Do not and you know, no. Mm -mm. Do your Mm -mm. thing, but just be careful. Take precautions. Yes, I like how you said thing. I think that's the, the black part of you coming out, Beth. <laughs> and everything. All right. Do your thing. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, what are we doing again? Okay. We're doing oh, a okay. show. Where are we? We're trying What's to happening? Help. Yeah, yeah I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help people. Okay. So, um, uh, we would like to um, give you guys some suicide prevention resources. Um, now, I think we've done this on past shows, but uh, sorry, naive us. I, w- we just gave the U.S. suicide hotline, not, not realizing that there are um, – we have international, international listeners. We have listeners, listeners in yeah. Canada and Australia and in Germany. So I'm going to give – all of the phone numbers. So just stay tuned. Well, not all, um, just just a lot. Just a lot. So, <laughs> so if, um, by the way, if you don't catch it, it's it will be in the show notes. So suicide prevention in the United States, the phone number is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text HME to 711-741. 
uh, that's for the United States. If you're in Australia, if you're listening on Australia, and I know we have some of you out there, uh, you can um, call 131114. If you are in Germany, the suicide hotline is 080018. One zero seven seven one. If you are in the UK, amen, Meghan Markle, uh, you can <laughs> call zero eight four five seven nine zero nine zero nine zero. Wow. Yeah, zero. Okay. <laughs> what are we doing again? It's a lot of nine zeros there. A lot of nine zeros. Okay. Zero eight four five seven nine zero nine zero nine zero and if you are in canada shout out to the homies in canada um we love y'all and um we want y'all to be okay so call this number if you're in montreal it's 514-723-4000 if you're outside of montreal call 1-866-277-3553 um and there's a website we'll put it we'll link it up to the show notes we don't have to shout it out right now and there are uh, a bunch of crisis centers in canada um and you'll have to go to the website to find which one fits you but uh you can also text home h-o-m-e to 686-868 um if you are in crisis so please nobody suffer in silence and do not watch your loved ones suffer in silence all right right. (laughs) oh yes lord (laughs) all right oh have you ever been to a black church beth i haven't but i'd like to go sometime okay i'll take you sometime because um you're gonna have to take your shoes off take your wig off and be prepared to have a good old time (laughs) i i I figured it looked like fun (laughs) It's, it's fun but it's just so long it's like hours and hours oh i don't know about all that lutherans practice because they only they only stay in church for one hour everybody (laughs) else who's black stays there for three or four no thank you ma'am yeah f that (laughs) (laughs) that's why wendy's an atheist (laughs) 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 okay Um, so so shout out okay Shout shout out We th- so this is the part of our show where we do shout outs to any content by people of color or about people of color or any any marginalized groups. That means women, trans people, um, people of color, um, anybody who's basically anybody who's not a straight Christian white man. You're getting a <laughs> shout out. <laughs> and true crime and goodies. any any true crime goodies. Yeah. Yes. So I just wanted to give a shout out to the Asian Madness podcast. The host discusses true crime, superstition, urban legends, mysteries, and weird news from the Asian continent. And also, just because it's Halloween, um, and this is not true crime or any crime, but for Halloween, I suggest you go watch The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix right now. Full disclosure, it's a bunch of white people mostly but it's pretty damn spooky and the story is absorbing and i loved it okay it's it's in it's in my queue and i've i've been Mm -hmm. reluctant to to watch it only because it's only white people (laughs) but if you're saying that it's good it's good yeah yeah it's good it's 10 episodes so you're gonna have to you know 
give it some give it some time but uh yeah it's pretty fucking spooky <laughs> okay i am i am i'm like hungry for for new content and um yes. also uh 10 episodes it's nothing bring it on i got it i can watch it, I can do it in a day. you got time to watch it before halloween yes so i'm on it oh i can't wait thank you so much beth um sure thing so i think uh uh so my recommendation so i listen to a show if you guys listen to us i think that you probably listen to the daily zeitgeist i listen to it every day it's six days it comes on six days a week and uh they recently had a Muslim American comedian named Zara Nurbaksh. It was a very funny episode, but I fell in love with Zara. She is doing some really, really great work by being a female comedian in the world. Um, but also, she's a female comedian of color, but in uh, of the world, by the way, she's in in a world of all mostly comedy is all white men. So white anyway, dudes, yeah. Yeah. All so many white dudes. Um, but also with her, um, podcast, good Muslim, bad Muslim. And so I clicked and listened young Muslim, young Muslim women are out here and their perspective is important. Um, the work that they do is as well. It is a monthly podcast fe- featuring, um, Tanzila, a.k.a. Taz, Ahmed, and Zara Nurbaksh. It, it is about the good and the bad of the American Muslim female experience. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, the show is satirical and it's hilarious. The Muslim community that they calls them bad Muslims because, you know, they listen to music, they don't pray regularly um they date and marry are married to white men same girl same and uh they (laughs) identify as um punks and radicals and um they're comedians and writers so they're you know they don't fit the mold and then to non-muslims um they are considered good because they don't drink they don't do drugs um they are not criminals they're social justice activists and community leaders and um they happen to be successful, published, and accomplished. Um, but then, of course, on the flip on the flip side, they are brown Muslims living in a post nine eleven world, and Islamophobia it is you know top of mind everywhere, yeah, everywhere, and they're villainized by um, Western society. So no matter how you look at it, they say that they are bad Muslims and. Uh, as Muslim American women, they're walking this fine line between what it means to be a good and bad. And the podcast gives non-Muslims a chance to know what, what that's like. Um, they really open the door for us and let us peek into what their life is like. And I love it. Um, so Muslim women can relate to, to them. I'm not a Muslim woman, but as a woman of color with an immigrant parent, I was listening and I was like, oh my God, same girl, same. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that sounds so, really interesting. Yeah. Their show is really funny and it's just once a month and um, I recommend it for everybody. All right. I'll check it out. And uh, I would like to end this episode with a little Halloween story. So, uh, 
I was trying to do a scary laugh. So grab yourself a comfy blanket, a cup of hot cocoa, and get comfortable. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Here we go. In 2005, Halloween decor was spotted in a neighborhood in Frederica, Delaware, in the form of a body hanging from a tree in the early morning hours on October 26th. Or the neighbors thought it was Halloween decor until someone called the police when they realized that the body was just a bit too real looking. Police said that people noticed the body around 7.30 that morning, but dismissed it as a holiday prank. Authorities arrived at the scene at 11 a.m. to begin the process of examining the scene. Guess what, fruities? It turned out to be the corpse of a 42-year-old woman who was left suspended in public view for hours because her lifeless body was assumed to be a Halloween display. The unnamed woman had hung herself from a tree located across a moderately busy road from some homes. Her body, suspended about 15 feet above the ground, could easily be seen from passing vehicles. Similarly, in October of 2009, the decomposing body of a 75-year-old suicide victim sat undisturbed on the balcony of the deceased's home in Marina del Rey, California, for several days, because neighbors assumed it was merely part of a Halloween display. The man had apparently been dead for three days with a single gunshot wound to the eye. He was slumped over a chair on the third floor balcony of his apartment. Neighbors said that they noticed the body three days earlier but didn't bother calling authorities because it looked like a Halloween dummy. The body was in plain view of the entire complex. So the next time you see some creepy Halloween decor, ask yourself, is that Halloween decor? Or is it something else? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That, that was very scary. Okay. Good. I, scary, hope, scary. I hope I scared okay. y'all. You scared me. Okay. A lot. Oh. All right. Well. Is there anything after so that? That's, that's <laughs> it. That's the end. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Oh, Finish man. up your cocoa and go to bed. Finish up the cocoa. <laughs> Try and go to, to sleep. Bed. You know what? That's that's <laughs> what I'm going to be doing. That's yep, what I'm yep. going to be doing. That, that was really fucking scary. Good job. <laughs> uh, good story. <laughs> so, um, Beth, where can they find us? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And our links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App, which you can download on your phone or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops pod. Or you can become a monthly patron 
through our Podbean Patreon page, patreon.podbean.com forward slash Fruit Loops Pod. And this will help us pay for things like website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment, and even a dollar would help. And we now have uh, Fruit Loops buttons. And if you uh, donate any amount, we'll send you a button. That's right. Get ready for your merch. So this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939 when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era like Cuba and Vietnam, and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.